The mechanic raised up from under my hood and he shook his head and said, This ain't good. Timing belts done shrunk one size too small. Those spark plug wires are a little too long and your main prod spawner's nearly gone. Your injector ports are stripped and that ain't all. Torque converters running low on torque and that water pump's nearly down a quart. We caught it all in time, so you're in luck. He said, I've got the time and I've got the parts. Just give me the word and I'm ready to start. I think we can bring her in for 800 bucks. And welcome to this edition of Car Time Radio. Dan Watson sitting in today for Jay Zimbauer. And uh, you folks out there can give me a little bit of help. It's kind of a unexpected uh, pleasure to come in for this show and fill in for Jay. But, uh, hey, give me a couple of calls and talk to me and uh, keep the conversation going and make my life a lot easier. So our number's here, 407-674-1025 or toll-free, 855-545-1025. So, yeah, pick up that phone, give me a call, and uh, give me something to talk about so that uh, I don't have to do quite such a a terrific job of uh, coming up with information myself. I'd appreciate that. Join the show. Now, what I'm going to do a little bit today is answer some questions that I receive on a regular basis via my website. And you can always find me at thelubepage.com. It's real simple, thelubepage.com. And ask me questions there. I get them all the time, and uh, I'm delighted to answer them. Now, one of the things that I I must get at least uh, two or three times a week from people is, is synthetic oil compatible with conventional oil? In other words, if you're driving around with uh, some decent petroleum oil in your car, can you add synthetic to it? Can you change oil and put in synthetic oil? Uh, what if you've got synthetic oil in your car and you can't find a quart and you're down a quart and you have to put a quart of petroleum oil in there? I mean, is this thing going to blow up or you're going to have uh, strange chemistry and... Uh, you know, create the blob from the old blob movie under your hood because you did this, what's going to happen? And the real answer is nothing's going to happen. These oils are fully compatible with each other. Now, you hear all kinds of, uh, let's just call them old shop tales about the fact that, well, once you go to synthetic, you got to stay with synthetic. Uh, if you go back to petroleum, you got to stay with petroleum. Well, none of that's true. In fact, at almost every store you go into, you can find a blend, which is uh, some percentage synthetic and some percentage of petroleum mixed together in the bottle to sell to you. So obviously, if they weren't compatible, it would be hard to mix them up and put them in the same can and sell them to you. So there's nothing to that. Now, there are some legitimate things to look at. If you decide that you've been driving a car for 100,000 miles on petroleum and now you've decided, and I think it's always good, but you've decided it's time to shift that buggy over to synthetic and will there be any precautions or things that you have to look for? And, yes, there there, there are some things you have to look for. When a car has 100,000 miles on it with petroleum oil, it has residue in the engine. And that's because uh, that oil runs at a relatively high temperature, and it doesn't matter how good a petroleum it is. It just can't take that kind of temperature forever. 
and so it deposits some varnish and sludge in the nooks and crannies of the engine. doesn't get in the way of very much, but it's there. Uh, at the worst, sometimes you can have some stuck rings because the oil just constantly got a little bit thickened and a little bit thickened in that ring groove, and eventually that ring just won't move. And when that happens, you end up usually losing a little compression, and you actually don't have as much power in the engine as you had originally. And, and that uh, it's amazing that the average car with over 100,000 miles on it, the average car has at least one or two stuck rings in it. It's just a simple fact of life. Now, when you use uh, a very good synthetic oil, one that has uh, the probably the strongest cleaner in the marketplace for synthetic oil are Amsoil products because they continue to contain an ester component in the oil, which is very expensive, and many oils have gone away from that uh, because of the expense. But that ester is like a almost sticking a, a, a solvent flush in the engine. It's going to clean all those nooks and crannies out. So here's the question that comes up. How do I control that? Well, if you've got a vehicle that you know the history of and it, you've changed the oil in it all the time, it's really not going to be much of an issue. You just might use a little extra oil in the first three, four, 5,000 miles after the oil change. So you've got to be prepared to check your oil, and you might have to add some that first time because as it cleans it, it's a little dirty and have a little bit of um, ring seal, not quite as good as it should be, a little blow-by, and you push a little oil vapor through the PCV system into the intake of the engine. So you're going to use a little oil, but it'll clean itself up. Now, um, if you have a car that you bought uh, used and you have no idea of the history of it and you want to convert it to synthetic oil, then do yourself a favor and contact me via my website or call me during the week. It's real simple, 800-370-2983, because you can convert any vehicle but there are some methods to do it and do it safely and effectively and clean that engine out and get everything turned over and have a sparkling clean engine with, with synthetic oil running in it in a matter of a couple thousand miles. But the danger is, and you need to understand this, you take a car that's really sludged up and you put a really good aggressive synthetic in it like Amsoil, and it cleans it out so fast that it drops all of that sludge down into the oil pan. You got a screen on your oil pump down there, and if it gets clogged up with too much of that sludge that's dropped down, you're going to start having pulsating oil pressure. Have your light either coming on and off when you don't expect it, or if you've got a gauge, seeing some strange gauge activity going on. So what I'm telling you is that 9 out of 10 times, there's no question at all. But if you have a question in your mind about converting your vehicle to synthetic, and you want somebody to give you a procedure to walk it through and make sure that you don't have any bumps along the way, then, again, check out my website, uh, thelubepage.com, or call me anytime during the week at 800-370-2986, and we'll, we'll walk you through how to do it and make it successful. Okay, so back to the original question. Are they compatible? Yes, they are. Do you have to worry about if you see... One thing in the oils we have today, at one time it even was a big deal. People would say, my dad would say, well, you can't mix Quaker State and Haveline. You can't mix uh, Texaco, Haveline, and Shell. Well, years ago, the oil companies had such tailor-made additive packages, there was a little truth in that. Sometimes you could get a little funny chemistry going, putting them together. But today, especially in the 
petroleum oils, they're so what we call commoditized, meaning that they're so similar in the additives that are put in them and how they're done. And a lot of the additives are bought from the same companies that uh, there's not much danger of mixing any quart of oil. They're just so compatible. They're so much alike. The biggest difference would be in uh, how well they're made, how much additives are put in them, how well the base stock has been refined as far as petroleum oils. But uh, if you need oil and you pull into a place and you get a quart of shell to put in your engine and you had Valvoline in the engine, uh, it's not going to do any harmful effects. Uh, it's a matter of opinion and question sometimes whether the shell was better than the Valvoline. That's uh, up to the two companies to argue about it, but they are compatible. They're not going to cause a problem. Now, when you're using synthetic engine oils, there isn't any real problem. Uh, just remember that the quality variance in synthetics is easily as wide as it is in the petroleum oils. you you got to really do a little uh, due diligence and make sure you get what you pay for. Okay, so that answers the question on compatibility of conventional oil and synthetic. Now we're going to come up against a break, and uh, when we come back, i got some more questions. But, hey, give me a call at 407 674 and give me your question so as we can answer it. We'll be back right after these messages. Welcome back to Car Time Radio. Dan Watson sitting in today for Jay Zimbauer. And as happens sometimes, we had a quick call during the break. Guy couldn't hang on but had a good question of what kind of oil should you use in an old compressor? That's be an air compressor, like a shop compressor, one or two pistons in it. And... Um, it is a good question because it brings up a topic that few people fully understand, and it talks about the fact that you need to use a non-detergent oil, okay? You wonder, well, what's wrong with detergents? Why would we not want detergents? Well, listen, a compressor compresses air. Now, that air may not be the cleanest because, as we all know, our atmosphere may not be the cleanest, but that's all it does. It pulls that air in, bangs it up, and compresses it, okay? Um, an internal combustion engine makes a compression, sets off an explosion, and creates all kinds of byproducts from that combustion. The detergents in the oil are there to deal with the byproducts of combustion. There's no combustion in that air compressor. And what happens is a lot of your additives that are in the oil that would be associated with detergents might not actually be the best uh, in an air compressor situation because they might actually cause a little excessive foaming or they might not be as good at uh, what they call demulsification, getting the water out of the oil because when you compress air and you end up with uh, a certain amount of moisture that's literally squeezed out of the air, so you end up with moisture in your uh, in your compressor. So, all right, what should you use? You should use a compressor oil. Now, uh, in today's market, uniformly across the compressor world, they've all gone to synthetic compressor oils. It is just the most uh, effective thing to use in air compressors is a good synthetic oil. And you, when you buy a compressor oil, it is by its very label a non-detergent oil. Okay, So what should you do? Either go over to one of the... Uh, stores and find yourself a 40 weight compressor oil for that old compressor and if you 
can find it in synthetic, get it in synthetic. And the reason is, in that compressor action, the synthetic oils will not leave varnish in the compressor inside the piston area. And they're better at getting the moisture out. Uh, and they'll last about, well, six or eight times as long as petroleum in that compressor. So that's the answer. Get a good compressor oil. And if you can, use it. And I would recommend for any older unit, definitely a 40-weight compressor oil. Okay? So that question came up on the break. And if you've got a question, it's 407 Six seven four one zero two five or toll free eight five 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 four five one zero two five. Now, some of the standard questions that I get, and this isn't a standard one, but it's one that a guy uh, emailed me, sent into my on my website. I got it, and he says I have a turbocharged 2010 BMW. My turbo failed. The mechanic said I used bad oil. What do you recommend? Now, listen, I checked up on this because I was a little curious about this, and one of my German car repair shops told me they've had a slew of BMW turbo failures, and all of them have been evaluated by BMW as having used inferior oil. I say this on the radio a lot, and people that don't have turbos don't pay much attention to it, but if you've got a turbo and you are not using a quality synthetic engine oil, you're just riding around a gambling that it's going to work. And obviously for some of these BMW people, it didn't. Now those BMW repairs are not cheap. So you got to wonder how much, how well it was to have saved that uh, $5 on oil and bought a turbo. Okay. It's not, it's that old English saying of a penny wise and a pound foolish. Okay. What's going on here? What do you need to understand? Well, turbos are actually activated on the exhaust of the engine. You have basically a turbine wheel in the exhaust that is picking up that exhaust and turning it very high RPM. And on the other side, through the wall, so to speak, it has then a fan side that picks up air, raises the pressure of that air, and pushes that air into the intake of the engine. So a turbo is operating in a high-temperature situation. The oil comes in and lubricates the shaft bearing that connects these two wheels that are turning it. Well, in some turbos, I don't know about these BMWs, some of them, they can reach uh, several thousand, up to 100,000 RPM, okay? So they can really fly, and they've got to have good oil. But inside that turbo... Under some conditions, because of that exhaust just coming out of there really high performance and getting hotter than the, than the devil, you can reach temperatures for the oil trying to reach 600 degrees. And if you do not have an oil that can at least take that on an intermittent basis, what happens is it's not taking it, and it's not providing real, real good protection. And so that begins to have accelerated wear early, and then once that bearing gets into uh, even worse condition, what happens is it gets some drag, and then the oil's not going through it nearly as well as it was before because you got uh, carbon built up, actual coke gets so hard built up in it. And then it starts losing oil flow, and it's just a matter then of 
hours before the whole turbo is gone. Now, those cars are designed, any turbocharged car today can't run without the turbo. So you can't say, well, I'll just cut the turbo out and run normal. No, you can't. You can't do it. And, it, and you have to go get it fixed. And it is just not a good day in, uh, you know, Pleasantville when that happens because it's a lot of money. And if you run into warranty problems because they look at the oil and say it's not it's not BMW's fault, what are you running this junk oil for? So you need to know what to run. Now, BMW makes their own specifications for oil, and uh, they're, they're pretty stringent, and they come off of the European auto specifications. And uh, you you got to pay attention. You just have to with these European cars. Uh, Mercedes, BMW, Peugeot, Volkswagen, uh, all of them, they have very stringent oil requirements. And you can't just go buy a quart of API top-rated SN automotive oil and know that it meets the requirements for your European car. It's just I'm sorry that it's that complicated, but you have to actually look in your owner's manual, see the type of oil that it requires, and then make sure that whoever's going to service your car is going to use that certified level of oil. The Europeans have five levels of oil performance. We have one. They have levels of oil performance that basically you could read it as top-performing synthetic engine oil only. That's how you could read it if you wanted to just, you know, paraphrase it. Uh, they have very specific engineering specs on the oil. High temperature, high shear cannot be below a certain number. And there's no requirements like that in the, in the API certification of API SN rated engine oil. So you're, you're flying without radar when you just buy American rated oil for your European car. You've actually got to do some homework and due diligence. Now, you can be safe. Take your BMW right down to the BMW dealer. He'll make sure the right stuff goes in it, right? I'm not arguing that. And... That's all fine. And if you want to go buy a quart of oil from the BMW dealer, too, and God knows it might be $18 a quart. Who knows? Okay. So you can buy highly rated engine oil that will match up from Amsoil or Mobile or Castrol that will work in your BMW. But you need to know actually what the certification is and verify that the oil company got it on their label and they're saying that oil will work because. Believe me, it is that critical. And Volkswagen, we in the industry, we laughed at Volkswagen and so said they change their Volkswagen oil specs kind of like you change underwear often. And uh, they just, you know, from every year we got a different spec going with those guys. So you can't even rely on uh, that you knew what went in your, your 2010 VW turbocharged gas or diesel, and now you've got a 2015 turbocharged diesel just by the same. No, the spec's not even close to the same. They change them all the time. And remember that VW, uh, those guys are related to Porsche. And so if you've got a Porsche, that's a real incredibly high-performance machine, and you've got to be careful with that. Well, guess what? We go over to the American cars. Now, if you buy a Corvette, you better be careful. That Corvette's got a, it's got a spec on it, and uh, that's a much higher requirement than standard engine oil. Why? Because it's an incredibly high-performance machine and gm's decided they got to call out a spec to protect it because the regular oil ain't doing it so what i'm trying to tell you is that these things 
are incredibly wonderful, high-performance automobiles. And the more complex they've gotten, the more specifications they put in for lubricants. And you are the only person, the owner, that really can guarantee it gets the right stuff. I'm telling you, if you take it to a wonderful quick lube and you have the high school dropout do it for you, uh, there's a good chance you may not be covered there. Now, I say that not because I'm picking on the guy, but they hired him, and he got no training for knowing all this stuff is correct. It's not his fault. He's just told to use the stuff in the big tank and pour it in there, okay? So, you know, uh, take your own risk. But as for me, I would say you go into a shop, you're going to get an oil change in your European car, and you ask the question, do you have European certified oil? And they go, what? You just crank the car up and head down the road, okay, because it's that important. All right, we're headed up against a break. When we come back, i got a question about a Harley-Davidson motorcycle that I got this week, and we'll get into that. But, hey, pick up that phone. Give me a call, 407-674-1025. We'll be back right after these messages. And welcome back to Car Time Radio. Dan Watson sitting in for Jay Zimbauer today, answering your questions on oil, lube, synthetic oils, conventional oils, fuel additives, transmission fluids, filtration, antifreeze, and fuel. Okay, so that's pretty much what I can talk about. Not answering questions on brakes, broken engines, widgets that won't go to the right widget or widgets that won't go to the left widget, any of those kind of things. All right, so here we go. Um, I did want to say that when we talked about the European autos there for a minute, uh, one of the advantages of taking your vehicle, whatever kind it is, to a full-service shop that has ASE-certified mechanics, they actually know the difference and they do care. And so when you go in there to get an oil change and you're concerned about whether or not they're going to use the right oil for your Euro auto, they can tell you specifically what it's recommended and what they're going to do to meet that recommendation. That's one of the reasons why I think it's always uh, something that you can afford to do if you think about it is have your oil change done by a really good mechanic shop so that you can get the right stuff done and even ask questions about things and people will know what you're talking about. All right, and I know that uh, Jay Zimbauer knows it inside and out, so if you go to Zimbauer's Automotive, you will get the right oil. They're all the time buying different kind of oils from me, and I know it's because they're trying to make sure in every case they've got the exact right oil for your application. Now, I said we'd talk a little about a, a Harley question when we came back because I had a question from a guy in the week, and, and he said that he had a 2014 Harley, and he wanted to know if it was okay to run synthetic oil because he's always heard these stories about roller bearings. Now, <laughs> I laugh about this because as a lubrication specialist myself, this is one of those things where, how do they say it, what is intuitively obvious is obviously wrong, okay? Some things that people think up and create a theory on are just simply not true. In fact, roller bearings, and if you understand what I'm talking about, uh, ball bearings and roller bearings, where you have a construction of a set of rollers between two circular races, and the rollers provide the motion-carrying load between those two moving uh, concentric races, okay? 
Now, the name these bearings were given in many manuals when over the years they were called frictionless bearings. Now, there's a reason for that. They don't actually roll based on friction. And you hear people say about these Harley roller bearings, well, the oil's so slick they can't get enough friction to roll the rollers. Well, I hope not because the rollers were never designed to roll on friction. If they did, that thing's going to be gone in a short period of time. That's not what causes it to roll. The bearing rolling elements actually move by pressure. Pressure against or load, if you will, the oil acts as a film between the load-bearing components, but it is the actual load pressure pushing on the roller that causes it to roll, not friction. So anyway, the truth is you can't make the oil too slick to cause the roller bearing to slide rather than roll. If it is sliding, it's because it has a flat spot. It is not properly adjusted. It is not uh, in the right alignment, not because of some uh, mythical theory of being that the oil is too slick. That's just, uh, it just doesn't have any of uh, the engineering, physics, or chemistry uh, to support such a notion. So now, can you use synthetic oil in your Harley-Davidson motorcycle? Well, I hope so, because they make Screaming Eagle Harley synthetic oil that you can buy off the shelf in any Harley-Davidson dealership. So they do not make oil. Let me let me tell you that. Harley-Davidson has no oil manufacturing facility. Why do I even bring that up? Well, it's simple, because they have somebody else make the oil for them. So what that means is that bottle of oil from Harley that's labeled as Screaming Eagle Synthetic Engine Oil is made by a company. Now, I, I can tell you who I think it is. I don't know exactly for sure, and they have changed contractors a couple of times since they first started. But it's an oil company. Uh, like there's an oil company in New Jersey that does nothing but make oil and relabel it in the name of Hatco. Very good company. Okay. Nothing wrong with Harley-Davidson Screaming Eagle uh, synthetic engine oil. It's a great product. Okay. But I would say it's a little less uh, of, uh, the performance characteristics of the AMSOIL uh, high-performance motorcycle oils, okay? But it is a full synthetic, and Harley recommends it in all of their bikes, including the older ones. So obviously the wife's tale or the mechanic's tale about you can't use synthetic in the Harley-Davidson motorcycles pretty much dispelled at this point since Harley makes a high-quality synthetic engine oil to go in those motorcycles. So that old issue and all the made-up stories about roller bearings is hopefully dying a natural death because it never had any legs to it to begin with, but it sure did run for a while. And uh, the uh, the manufacturing of Screaming Eagle oil, I hope, has put that to to sleep. Now, Next question that I have here, which uh, came up, was a good one. It was, I have a 1969 Chevy Camaro, 327, four-barrel, four-speed. Because I have been told to not use SN, that's the latest rating classification, auto oil. Well, what should I use if I can't use the latest auto oil, and why shouldn't I use it, basically, is his question. 
here's the deal. You could use SN-rated automotive oil, and depending upon how much you use the car, might not ever make much difference. But the problem is you have a type of camshaft and uh, rocker arms and, uh, you know, it's it's just called tappet cam system. And you need oil that is um, well additized with zinc and phosphorus to protect that type of of camshaft lifters and push rods. And so the problem you run into is the latest rated oil, the SN rated gasoline rated oil, is restricted to 800 parts per million of zinc or phosphorus uh, in an attempt by the EPA to protect catalytic converters from getting poisoned with zinc and phosphorus by vapor carryover in the engine. Um, so in your 1969 Chevy Camaro, it never had a catalytic converter, and it was never any kind of issue, period. So that oil in that time was heavily loaded with zinc and phosphorus, 1,200, 1,400 parts per million. So now today, if you really want to give it its original type protection for that uh, valve cam system, then you need to move it over to uh, a high zinc and phosphorus rated oil. Now, in the marketplace, you can find those. You have to look for them and specifically do your research to see what levels they have. But they will not be rated SN automotive oil. Uh, the last rating that allowed that kind of concentration was SL-rated gasoline-rated engine oil. Now, in the Amzo line, they make some oil that is basically their uh, street rod oil, is what it's called, and it is uh, loaded up with zinc and phosphorus. It's a full synthetic base stock, and it's designed for these kind of cars. So uh, that one works. There are some other ones that work. And uh, if you go to some of the better oil companies and look, you'll find some uh, oils that are rated for these kind of applications, and they will specifically say that they have the additional zinc and phosphorus in them for the valve tappet systems that are in these types of cars. And uh, it's a good idea to do that. Like I said, you probably wouldn't eventually – immediately wear it out but if you're actually using the car and putting any significant amount of miles on it eventually you're going to be doing some valve adjustments because the wear is going to start to get them out of adjustment so all right so we're up against a break the number here 407-674-1025 so we're going to break for some messages and we'll be back And welcome back to Car Time Radio. Dan Watson sitting in today for Jay Zimbauer. We've been talking about oil and a number of questions that I get over my website. So I'm going to give you that website again, and you can go in there and leave me a question. It is thelubepage.com. Very easy. T-H-E-L-U-B-E-P-A-G-E dot com you get a chance you need something quick and you want to call me during the week, it's 800-370-2986. And local number, 
888-346-9669, and we'll always try to answer your questions. Now, one of the things that uh, I tell you, if you want to learn something about oil, check out my YouTube channel. It's just Dan Watson. Go to YouTube, type in Dan Watson, and I got about 70 YouTube videos up there that are all I've made them over the years about oil and lubrication and filtration, fuel additives, those kind of things, so that you can uh, look at those. And a lot of times I get people who either call me or uh, then go to the website and send me a question because they didn't understand something they saw in one of my videos. Which brings me to the one that uh, has gotten, I don't know, 200,000 views by now, and that's one where that I gave a presentation on you guys with the turbocharged diesels out there what kind of newfangled exhaust system you have on these trucks from 2007 forward and what it means to you and uh, how you need to be aware of it and what it does. And I think that that's still extremely important. I can't tell you how many people are driving around with a turbocharged diesel and they have no idea what a diesel particulate filter is. Um, they don't realize that when they have to pour urea, fluid into a tank, what it's doing, why they do that. Those are things you should be aware of because uh, they have some different effects on your engine, your engine oil. Uh, uh, speaking of that, uh, you can't use the same oil in 2007 and later diesels that you used in the ones prior to that because uh, of fuel dilution problems and things that take place due to the way that you're regeneration system oh there's a word what does that mean it's all in that video and i'm going to tell you if you drive one of these diesels it's worth your time to watch that video it's about 20 minutes long maybe 30 and uh i go into the details of how that system works and uh, what's going on when you have a regeneration process taking place it's if you have a turbocharged diesel Power Stroke Diesel, Cummins Turbo Diesel, Duramax Diesel, um, that's good to know. And even uh, now you got to look at Isuzu Diesels, um, Toyota Diesels. All these diesels have to have diesel particulate filters. And in the newer ones, the last three years, you got to have a urea treatment. And what is all that stuff for? What is it about? Okay, It's important to know, and it's important when you... Drive a diesel to understand what you're dealing with. Um, these new diesels have injectors in them that are absolutely unbelievable. You have an injector that can make five pulses per RPM when the truck is doing 3,000 RPM. Do you know how fast that is? We're talking about uh, one millionth of a second firing time. Uh, it's unbelievable. And in the throat of the injector, the pressures reach 24,000 PSIG. Now, this is space-age stuff. That's the only way to look at it. And let me tell you, it's space-age expensive if they go bad. They're about, uh, these injectors will run, depending upon where you get them, how you get them, and so forth, six to $800 a piece. And there are eight of them in a V8, and six of them in a six-cylinder. And if you're not careful and you do the wrong stuff with fuel and you get water into your fuel, you can wipe out all eight of them in 10 minutes. 
and have yourself a fat bill of about $10,000, including labor, to replace them. So is it important to change your fuel filter on time in that truck? Because that's the only thing that separates the water that may get into your diesel. That's it. That's protecting you against $10,000 worth of damage. Okay. So these are incredible machines. I mean, even the Volkswagen turbo diesel, same thing. The injectors in these things are, in my opinion, they border on almost unimaginable mechanical uh, devices, and they need to be protected. But you got to understand that if you buy a diesel fuel cleaner, something to clean the injectors and do the right thing, uh, they don't all work because the injectors now, because they've gotten smaller and high pressure more than they used to be, the cleaners that used to clean the tips of the old injectors, they don't do much with the new, what they call internal injector deposit. They get up in the barrel of the injector, and then they slow it down. If they slow it down and it can't fire as fast as it's supposed to, it doesn't fire at the right time, then the truck doesn't run right. And you have a rough-running truck, and you don't know why, and it's because your injectors have got inter-injector deposit problems. So there's... There's a lot in these trucks, a lot of stuff you can learn, and you can use relatively simple aftermarket products to defeat this stuff and stay ahead of it and save yourself a lot of agony, but you have to at least look. So take a look at my website again. That is thelubepage.com. Send me a question. Take a look at my YouTube channel, Dan Watson, on YouTube. You'll find a lot of information about these things. And remember, you're the person that has the charge of the vehicle. You're the only one that's going to check everything about it. Everybody else is going to do their limited thing on it and go to the next one. You're the only one that keeps up with everything and that bears the responsibility to protect your own butt and make sure that it's done right. So that's how you keep these vehicles on the road forever is by taking a direct interest yourself and making sure that it's done right. Now, I think uh, Jay should be back next week, no problem, and answer those mechanical questions. And I'll look forward to being back in a couple of weeks on the first Wednesday of each month. And, again, my lube page, that's the place you want to go, to thelubepage.com. So we'll see you next week. So long now.